The reading this morning is from Jonah 4. Jonah went out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the vine so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would better be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you have a right to be angry about the vine? I do, he said. I am angry enough to die. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left. And many cattle and cannot tell their right hand from their left and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about this great city? This is the word of the Lord. Have darker skin the last time I saw you, so you must have been south somewhere, because I don't think you got that here. But uh, great to have you back. You know, one of my fervent prayers in life. Listen carefully, Lord, don't let me grow up to be a crabby old man. Okay, I, and is is that a, so those of you who are my age or so forth? Is that kind of your prayer too? I, you know, I don't want to be a negative person. Reminds me of the uh, petulant man who instructed his wife to get him breakfast. And uh, she says, well, what would you like? And he says, I'd like, I'd like two eggs. I want one of them fried sunny side up, and the other I want scrambled. And so she, uh, she went away, and then she, prepared, she brought the prepared and, uh, eggs and presented them to her husband, uh, the, the man of the house. And he looks at the eggs, and he says shook his head and just said, you always, you never get this right. And she says, what's wrong? Says, you scrambled the wrong egg. <laughs> now, you know, some people pout and sulk and become negative at the least possible provocation. And I know that you aren't like that when you don't get your way. But today we come to the prophet Jonah, and his nickname is the Pouting Prophet. Because Jonah just never got his way, and so uh, he, uh, he, he, he pouts. He even throws his life into God's face when he doesn't get his way and says, I should just die, okay? Three times in, this, in these four chapters. But when you think of Jonah, what, uh, what story do you think of? Jonah and the, and the whale, right? The big fish. 
when God told Jonah to go, that he was going to be sent to the Assyrians, and the capital city is Nineveh, he said, no way, and he started heading the wrong direction in a boat. God caused this huge storm. The sailors throw him overboard. A fish swallows him. He's there three days. He spit up on the, on the banks, and he figures he better go. Well, he goes, and all the while, he's not happy because he wants God to judge the Assyrians. The Assyrians were their arch enemy. The Assyrians didn't look like him. They didn't dress like him. They didn't act like him. And they certainly didn't believe in the same God as him. So why should I go and offer God's grace to those people? He's got a bad attitude even before he starts. So he goes there and he goes around this huge city and he preaches the word of God. People listen And they take it to heart and they repent and they believe and they trust in the true God. Now you'd think that would make Jonah happy, right? No. In fact, he goes outside the city, he builds a little shelter, and uh, listen to what happens next. This is is where we get to the shade of the tree. This is our our, our, uh, sermon series for for these weeks. It says... The Lord provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head, to ease his discomfort, and Jonah was very happy about the vine. So he's sitting under the shade of this vine, and he says that he's very happy, but he's waiting and hoping that God's going to still destroy the people of Nineveh. Get rid of them, God, because they're no good. They're not like me. And so he basks under the shade of this vine, and uh, it keeps him warm at night, and it keeps the sun off of him in the day, uh, and God is good. Isn't it amazing how even though we are ungrateful, even though we don't always trust God, even though we get grumpy and murmur like the Israelites in the desert and wish we had more and don't count our blessings, that God still is compassionate, just like he was to Jonah? Now, notice what made Jonah very happy. It was the vine, it was the shade that God gave him that made him very happy. Now you would think that it would make him very happy if he was a prophet of God, that the people there repented and turned to the Lord, the true God. You would think that would make him happy. But Jonah is so self-focused, he's so worried about himself that he can't see what God is doing. Now in Greek mythology, Narcissus, Narcissus, Remember, he looked into a a pool of water, and who did he see? He saw himself, and he fell in love with himself, and and he was so enamored by himself that he could never leave, and he stayed there. And that's why we call someone who is that self-focused, that self-centered, as being narcissistic. It's the pastor and writer Joseph Stoll who says this, narcissism is is a notion that life revolves around me. That all that really matters are my rights, my privileges, my happiness, my prosperity. Others' people are always secondary. And he says, the result of this self-dominated thinking is the destruction and alienation from others and God as we lock everyone else out and barricade ourselves within a ghetto of one. In Woody Allen's movie, Scoop, there's a character who used to believe he was a Jew. He was, a Jew. he was born into Judaism. But he says that he converted to another religion. 
the character of Sid Waterman. Listen to what he says. He says, I was born into the Jewish persuasion, but when I got older, I converted to narcissism. And we don't want to be too hard on Jonah, but that's exactly what happened to him. Instead of honoring the true God, he's all about himself. He converted to narcissism. Well, Jonah's happy in the shade that God provided. He's pleased with his comfort. He forgets the one who gave him the comfort, right? He forgets the Lord. But in the end, the Lord reminds him that there's more to life than just living for your personal comforts. And so look what God does. This is amazing. He says, but at dawn the next day, the Lord provided a worm. Can you believe that? The worm chewed the vine so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint, and again he wanted to die. He said, it would be better for me to die than to live. Jonah was not, angry, not only angry with God because he had shown grace and mercy on the Assyrians and allowed them to repent and believe in the true God, but now he's angry at God because he sent that worm to take away the only comfort that he felt like he had, and he wanted to die. He took for granted what God had given to him. Do you think we ever take for granted the things in life that God gives to us, our comforts? In fact, we often talk about our comforts in life, and we call them mine. I'll talk about my family. It's my spring break. It's my house. It's my job, okay? Mine, 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 okay? But that which we call mine of this world is temporal, isn't it? It fades away. I talk about my health, but health can be fleeting. We talk about our our resources, our financial. It can be gone in a day. I think most of us can relate to Jonah that when his comfort was taken away, he was upset. We're the same way if we're honest with with ourselves. It's not fun. Also, the fact that in times of discomfort... God blesses you, and he leads you oftentimes when things go haywire to him. When things are going smooth, when you are totally blessed, you have no worries, that's when we put God on the back burner. Why is it that it takes some time when we are discomforted, sometimes when we're facing trials? It's in those times when we say, Lord, I need you. I need you. I trust you. Lord, help me out. And we read in Scripture that God is more concerned about your character than he is about your comfort. Jonah would have no part of this kind of thinking. Instead, in his depression, he tells God three times, God, I just, I, I just want to die. Those are signs of depression, aren't they? The book of Jonah ends with an amazing picture. The city of Nineveh has just been saved. Countless numbers of lives are spared. The Bible says that there's rejoicing in heaven when just one sinner repents and comes to faith. Can you imagine when this huge capital city of the Assyrians, Nineveh, when all of them repent? There must have been quite a celebration up there in heaven, right? Well, Jonah becomes the the pouting prophet. He values the vine more than he does people. 
And he focuses on his own problems. And so finally the Lord says to Jonah, you know, you've been more concerned about this vine, though you didn't tend it, you didn't make it grow, it sprang up overnight, but Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who can't tell their right from their left. Now how old were you when you started to discern your right from your left? How old do you think you were? I've got a grandson who's six. I think he, he, he learned his right from his left when he was about five. So that means that there were 120,000 youngsters, five and under, who couldn't tell their right from their left. So you can imagine how huge this city was. God says, should I not be concerned about that great city? And so that's the very last of this, of this book, of the Bible. It's an important question. Strong words for Jonah. Should I not be concerned about those people? All those people who are separated, who are far from me. And the Lord teaches Jonah in the end that his greatest concern shouldn't be about his own personal comfort. God's greatest concern is about people and about their souls and about their eternity and about having a relationship with the God who made them and then the God who remade them through his son, Jesus Christ. The Lord teaches us too. You see, the central message of Jonah becomes a teachable moment for us. And that is this, that God has a bigger plan for you just than making you comfortable. God's got more in store for you than just to enjoy this life and the blessings that we have. God has a plan for you that you would be used by him to care for other people. God had a concern for those people And that same concern, as we are grafted into the body of Christ, is given to you and to me. And so the final question, should I not be concerned? Those were strong words. I believe they rang in Jonah's ear for the rest of his life. And hopefully he turned around from being a narcissist and he trusted the true God. The same question is there for you and me. Should I not be concerned? Is it ringing in your ears? The the, the pouting prophet's sense of justice was offended. They didn't deserve mercy. They they didn't merit God's grace. They should have been destroyed. And that's a, a terrible picture. A terrible picture of Jonah, the pouting prophet. He's more concerned about his comfort than he is about people. An equally terrible picture is that of a community of believers in Christ Rejoicing in our own comforts while ignoring lost people, broken, hurting. True story. One time a group of of women came to a pastor to complain about another lady who was accepted as a member of their church. Now she had somewhat of a negative reputation in that town. And so this group of women came to the pastor and they said, you know, if she's in... We're out. We don't like that kind of woman being in our church. The pastor said, well, you don't have to worry about having her in your church. Jesus already has her in his. Should I not be concerned? People that are different than you and me, people that are suffering and hurting and broken, people that don't look like us, people that don't act like us, people that 
that don't have the things that we have? Should I not be concerned? Or am I so caught up in my own plans and comfort that I'm totally missing out on what God is doing around me and in me and through me? You know, the very heart of God is exposed through the prophet, the prophet Jonah. And it's his concern, his heart for people. And his heart for the city of Nineveh is only a prelude of how God demonstrated his heart for us. The Bible says this is what love is all about. It's not that we love God, but that he loved us and he sent his son, Jesus Christ, as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. What's the heart of God? That God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whoever now believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. What's the heart of God? (laughs) While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And as we take in the sacrificial love of Jesus here two weeks before Easter, as we trust in the one who died and rose for us, God's grace moves us to be genuinely concerned about other people. And he uses you as an instrument of his care and compassion for this world. So I'm going to ask you a series of questions. And if you agree, I want you to say yes. If you don't agree, don't say anything, okay? Should I? That's you too. Should I be concerned about my family? What do you think? If your family's like mine, there are people that I'm not sure about, have a living relationship with Christ. God can use me. Should I be concerned about my neighborhood? What do you think? You know, there are neighbors, as you get to know your neighbors, there are a lot, 60% of Hamilton County has no church home at all. Check how many of your neighbors went to church this morning. God calls us to reach out to those people. How about this? Should I, not, should I be concerned about the Indianapolis and central Indiana areas? Do you think we should be concerned about that? So that our city is known more than just for potholes? Okay. Yeah. You know, we are concerned. That's why we started a ministry down there. There are people who are broken and hurting. We don't, you know, right here in our backyard. Should I not be concerned for the six billion people that God has placed on this earth? What do you think? Yeah, we need to be concerned. And you see, to the degree that God has demonstrated his total concern for you through your Savior, Jesus Christ, my prayer is that God would move in your heart so that you would get beyond the pouting about your own comfort. We all do it. And God would lead us to a genuine concern for other people that he might use us as instruments of his love and his mercy. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you.